Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from quarantine here in Detroit. You know, quarantine is just one of those things where we really need to be doing it, and I hope everyone is staying safe and staying home. For the love of God, please stay at home if you can. Um, you know, there are doctors and nurses and um, grocery um, grocery store workers um, that need to go out, and we thank you for, for doing for continuing to work during this time. You guys are really the heroes uh, that we need, not th- that we necessarily deserve. <laughs> so thank you so much. And I am doing my part and I'm staying um, in as much as I possibly can, which is really difficult <laughs> for someone like me. I love, you know, being social and being out. Um, but luckily I'm with my best friend and his husband and uh, we all get along and we all drink, so <laughs> the drinking really makes it a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> all right, um, this was not how I planned to start this episode, but here we are. <laughs> Just so you guys know, we'll, we'll be joining remotely later with this week's Politalk, uh, so you can look forward to that. But right now, and this normally would fall under Politalk, but um, it's so good and so juicy and (laughs) just so wonderful that I had to take it. Judge Janine Pirro started her show more than 15 minutes late on Saturday. And when she finally appeared, she appeared to be a little drunk. And... uh, This is not coming from someone who doesn't like her. I mean, I don't like her, but um, this, like, the industry as a whole just went wild with this. Here's what she said when she finally appeared. We uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties we experienced. Um, And then she had trouble going into her monologue. Um, She was stuttering and missing words. And it was like, is this an episode of Drunk Gossip? Is Ed playing Judge Janine? <laughs> For the record, no. I think I would be a little bit more professional than that. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I can just, I can just see Will looking at me and wondering who I'm trying to fool. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, this is. A, this is partly what she was trying to say. Just the other day, just the other day, the president talked or was hoping about the possibility of reopening everything on Easter, uh, Easter Sunday, uh, in a way where we could c- kind of come out of this quarantine as loose as it may be that we're all involved in. Fox News uh, publicly has denied that. Uh, Judge Janine was inebriated at all. However, behind the scenes, my sources are telling me bitch was drunk. <laughs> um, they're not being quite as crass. But yeah, my uh, my sources say that normally she does have a, a drink or two before she goes on air. Uh, but this time, she was just completely schnockered. Uh, and in fact... 
they almost didn't let her on air. And this is what they're not telling people, is they almost actually kept her off of the air altogether. They, the only reason why they let her on was because she was already there and it would have been really difficult to find a substitute that late in the game. But they were not pleased at all that she came to work drunk. But but Twitter was going wild um, with their assessment. And my favorite reaction um, was from Mini Driver. Let me see if I can find this quote. Um, and, and you, if you guys want, you can go to Mini Driver's Twitter at, at Driver Mini. And she she said, Judge Janine twatted on air is the only fantastic side effect of COVID-19. Sublime content hashtag Fox News. <laughs> and... Uh, there is another another person who said, "Has anyone noticed that a number of Trump's most passionate fans, Judge Janine, Rudy Giuliani, often appear to be drunk as a skunk when they defend him on TV?" Um, and it's true, they really do. Um, Fox News. Uh, put out another statement saying Janine Pirro was broadcasting from her home for the first time when she encountered several technical difficulties which impacted the quality of her show including the loss of a teleprompter. As we have previously said we are operating with a reduced staff working remotely to ensure the health and safety of our employees in these unprecedented times. Here's the problem and I'm not going to get into this because this is Will's forte but Fox News was the network telling everyone not to worry about this. It was just a Democratic hoax. They were following Trump's lead on this. And that is partly why we have all these boomers who are way behind the times, who are still believing that this isn't a very serious thing. They don't understand why we have self-isolation. We They don't understand why the workforce has essentially been shut down at this point. And Mindy Driver's right. The only the only side effect of COVID-19 has been a trunk Judge Janine. And seriously, um, my sources say that she was indeed drunk and that they indeed did actually think about pulling her show and putting someone else on there. They just couldn't find a substitute in time. Uh, we're going to see what happens because they also, um, if you recall, they also... So they were going to stand beside um, Trish Reagan, and ultimately they ended up firing her. So I have a feeling it's going to be quite the same with Judge Janine. Uh, and because th- this isn't the first time Judge Janine has pulled a stunt like this. But for right now, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And okay, so. Over the weekend, me and the bestie and the bestie-in-law all um, binge-watched Tiger King. And, of course, I was not 100% for it because y'all know I hate reality shows. 
but this shit had me sucked in like you would not believe. I mean, it is just bonkers. Uh, and eventually we will do a, an entire podcast about it, or an entire episode. Um, I'm going to work with Will on it because y'all know when I do things on my own, things just get wackadoo. <laughs> and Will gets so upset <laughs> because he thinks we should be viewed as being more professional. And I'm like, dude, really? <laughs> Anyways, so... Yeah, so Tiger King is just way out there. And, but everyone's obsessed with it right now. Uh, Like, my Facebook and um, Twitter feeds are just littered with memes from from Tiger King. Um, My Reddit is filled with conspiracy theories about what happened to Carol Baskin's husband and... Uh, who, uh, if if um, Joe Exotic was actually set up to take the fall for this uh, murder for hire plot, and at the end of the day, like I'm just happy to see everyone coming together, uh, even though it's around a reality show. Uh, I'm just really happy that everyone has kind of um, coalesced around this, and we're actually getting some. Um, we're we're seeing people. Staying home and and having some fun. I mean, let's face it. We, we all need to have a little bit of fun right now. But one of the people who might be having a little bit too much fun with this is Cardi B. Now, during the shelter-in-place era that we're in right now, she has apparently been putting out some really good social media material. Um, there's a clip of her just screaming coronavirus going around and uh, my my best friend lives for it um, so like he plays it all the time and cracks up I, I'm not a huge fan of Cardi B we've talked about this before on the show I just you know there's something about her that really irks my soul but one of the funny things that she's doing right now um, she binge watched Tiger King like the rest of us and um, we're going to talk a little bit later um, about this. Uh, like Tiger King is one of those shows where I don't think they expected it to turn into the to the big hit that it's become. Um, but th- that'll come later. Like I said, right now, um, you know they have all these celebrities tweeting about it. Um, Deck Shepard wants to be cast as Joe Exotic in the upcoming um, biopic. Um, which Kate Kenyon is executive producing and going to star as Carol Baskin in. And um, Jared Leto dressed up as Joe Exotic for some reason because he's Jared Leto. But Cardi B is like on the forefront of all of this shit. And she is... I don't know if you guys remember, but at one point, Kim Kardashian says she was going to become an attorney. I swear to God, I think... Cardi B is following that same route because she is setting, she is saying that Joe got a raw deal, that he didn't do anything wrong, that um, he was done dirty over and over again. And she's setting up a GoFundMe page 
to try to help and um, get um, get him to appeal his sentence and or a conviction because she doesn't believe that he did anything wrong. And in fact, she believes that Carol Baskin actually did kill her husband. And I mean, this is just one of the craziest things. Like, of all the things to be obsessed with right now, there are many, many things that could be um that are much worse that she could be obsessed with so i'm not mad about that at all trust me i'm just a little confused like girl girl okay you have the money if you really wanted to see this man free you could pay for his defense and not that of course that i think that she is obligated to but this whole using GoFundMe is something I don't understand. Like, if there's a cause you believe in, and you have the money, why are you not fronting the money? Because you can, if you're gonna, if you're gonna front the money, he's gonna give you rights to something, or he, you know, you can take this to a whole other extreme if you wanted. Like, there's. There are ways around this, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's just something weird about this whole thing to me. Like, I get it. And, to be honest, I don't think that Joe... I don't think Joe is innocent at all. Um, I won't give away spoilers, but there's one thing that I really kind of think that he had a part in. But the murder for hire plot, I don't think so because he didn't have any money. Um, we all know that he wanted her dead, and that's and basically they did trump up some charges uh, to get him because I don't think they had a, a strong enough case when it comes to actually um, prosecuting the murder for hire. So I think they had to find another way to get him. Uh, in trouble and get him into jail which is really shitty if you ask me um but i'm not cardi b um for more information on the gofundme page head on over to cardi b's and i believe it's instagram she might also have it on her twitter i'm sure she has all the information there um and if you just want a really good time read her thoughts on tiger king because girlfriend is obsessed and speaking of with obsessed, I need to take a break and get a drink. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And I have a royal family update for you, darlings. <laughs> so in the blind episode, um, in the blind item episode that we recorded, we talked about the royal family and how Megan is an evil, evil person. And while that may be true, I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, Prince Harry's and her and Meghan Markle's transition from senior royals to the common people. So we know before the COVID nineteen crisis hit us, um, this was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, story to hit. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle decided that they no longer wanted to be senior royals. A lot of it is alleged to have to do with uh, Meghan's refusal to follow royal protocol. And 
she feels that she should be able to ask, Megan feels she should be able to uh, get, designers should be able to give her clothes and whatnot whenever she wants. Prince Harry being pussy whipped went along with what his wife said. Instead of listening to what his grandmother said in following year, hundreds of centuries of tradition. However, um, when Meghan finally suggested that they leave the royal family, Harry agreed. Um, and many, are, many believe that she used his mother as a way to get him on board. They believe that um, she, she started acting like she was very fearful that she was going to perish in an accident because the paparazzi were chasing her. Never mind that she's a thirsty bitch and was tipping off the paparazzi as to where they were going to be and what was happening. <laughs> yeah, in case it's not clear, I don't like Meghan Markle. Like, at all. Like, at all. Um, and nobody who's come in contact with her seems to actually like her either. Um, it's really weird. Like, even people who she was friends with or alleged to have been friends with are not having her. And I think that really just says something about her character that nobody wants to be friends with her. Okay, so they, they're they transitioning into um, leaving the royal family, and they were living in Canada for a while. And Canada was footing the bill for their security team. But they announced uh, that as of March 31st, they're, uh, coincidentally or not, their last day as royals, um, the Canadian government would no longer be footing the bill for their security team. At some point, um, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry decided to leave Canada and move to Los Angeles, which prompted Trump to tweet this insanity during the COVID-19 crisis. I am a great friend and admirer of the Queen and the United Kingdom. It was reported that Harry and Meghan, who left the kingdom, would reside permanently in Canada. Now they have left Canada for the United States. However, the U.S. will not pay for their security protection. They must pay. And Meghan and Harry responded with, Duh, bitch. We never asked for money. Um, their actual... The actual quote says, The Duke and Duchess of Sussex have no plans to ask the U.S. government for security resources. Um, they, they also say that privately funded security arrangements have already been made. And along with all of this, they also say goodbye to their Sussex Royals Instagram page. This page had 11 million followers. And they decided to shut it down. Of course, they were going to lose it anyways, because again, as of uh, March third, uh, as of April first, they are no longer senior royals and will not receiving the, the perks that go along with that. 
So, this is leaving a lot of people to wonder, what are they going to do? Well, here's what... Here's what their last message on the on their page says. As we can all feel as we all feel do 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 sorry, this is I'm having technical difficulties. I'm Judge Jean Pirro right now. Forgive me. Um <laughs> All right. And just so you all know, I'm actually using production notes. So this is not a production note thing. <laughs> Anyways, okay, here's what the Instagram message says. As we can all feel, the world at this moment seems extraordinarily fragile. Yet we are confident that every human being has the potential and opportunity to make a difference, as seen now across the globe in our families, in our communities, and those on the front line. Together we can lift each other up to realize through to realize through the fullness of that promise. Well, it's what's most important now is the health and well-being of everyone across the globe and finding solutions for the many issues that have presented themselves as a result of this pandemic. As we as we all find the part we are to play in this global shift and changing habits, we are focusing this new chapter to understand how we can best contribute. Well, you may not see us here, the work continues. Thank you to this community for the support, the inspiration, and the shared commitment to the good in the world. We look forward to reconnecting with you soon. You have been great. Until then, please take care of yourselves and of one another. Harry and Megan. And they further push the limits of people's patience by putting out another message that basically said the same thing. But this time, saying that we should all be focused on COVID-19 and not worry about the royal family. Which, of course, is going to turn everyone's attention to the royal family. Because, why not? Um, You know, that's just one of those things. And another one of those things is me taking a break and coming right back. And I'm back. And... On Saturday, I took play. I took part in the screenwriting summit. Um, this was a full day of screenwriters talking and trying to teach um, amateur and aspiring screenwriters on the craft and the business uh, that we got ourselves into. And there were some really great talks. Um, my one of my favorites was from Alan Yang who uh, wrote the upcoming um, who wrote the upcoming uh, movie for Netflix Tigerland and he talked um, he did a lot of talking about uh, his time on Parks and Rec and uh, uh, and, you know just basically TV writing as a whole and screenwriting as a whole um, but there was a a special surprise guest at the end and that person was J.J. Abrams and J.J. Abrams um, was talking about the golden age of TV and how now is the best time to become a TV writer here is part of what he said Um, 
he was talking about um, his show Lost in, in the Golden Age of TV. He said, I know my role in that. I'm not talking as if I had nothing to do with this. It's the Golden Age of television, as they call it, even though I don't know what television is anymore. That's because huge uh, chances are being taken. Talent that might not have gotten the chance otherwise suddenly have the opportunity. For me, when I watch a show like Atlanta, which takes the most spectacular risk and in, in point of view, in genre, its structure, and character, every story has been told, it's kind of all been done before. And then he says, you see Fleabag, and you're like, well, yes, the fourth wall has been broken before, but not like that. Yes, there have been amazing love stories and stories of family, but not, not like that. What I love is is the thing that makes you feel like, oh my god, this is so amazingly specific. And then he finished by saying, Hollywood used to be a place where something would happen. There'd be a movie where people would see it and think, oh my god, that's amazing. Here's my answer to that, or here's my version. Hollywood has become a place, for the most part, where studios say, oh my god, that's amazing, let's do that literally again. And that's okay, and I think that will continue, but I really hope that all the writers who are here and others in the guild are as excited as I am about this new opportunity with streaming platforms. How many different stories are going to be told? I'm hoping that features will follow because I think people are responding so positively to original storytelling. Um, and just so for everyone to know, the, the Screenwriting Summit was um, a way for people like me who, you know, I, I want to hone my skills and learn from industry professionals, and they were uh, attempting to raise money for the the WGA and all the writers who are furloughed or um, laid off at this point because of COVID-19. Uh, and I know there were a lot of disgruntled people who thought, well, who the fuck are these people? Why are they doing it now? Uh, and, and the answer is simply because now there was a uh, there was a need for it. Um, and it's not as if anyone was breaking social distancing. We were all on our computers. Um, even the even the MCs and the uh, the guests were remote. Um, the MC was in her home and um, each of the guests were in, in their own home. Uh, and I think what J.J. Abrams is saying is actually brilliant because we have, like, the Disneys out there who have a boilerplate, and Will and I have talked about this many times um, as two creative people ourselves. They have a template for the Marvel movies where they literally just pick it up, change the character names, and set it back down and make another movie. They're not taking the creative risks that they did in the very beginning. And now it's all about the bottom line. And some people will point to Star Wars and say, well, this is why they're not doing it. That is bullshit. Because when they take creative risks, as they did in Rogue One, um, they're making money. But in, even with um, Solo, a Star Wars story, they would have made money had they held it back a little bit longer. Um, I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that. and They think it was a decent enough movie, but they don't think it would have made money. 
historically speaking, Star Wars movies have all been released around Christmas time to great effect. They plop that in the middle of the summer, and unfortunately, um, it was six months after uh, The Last Jedi, I believe, came out. And so there wasn't any time to miss the franchise or to even think, huh, I kind of want to see a Star Wars movie because just as they were ramping up Solo, they were also releasing Last Jedi on DVD and home video. And I'm speaking of someone who's actually never seen a Star Wars movie, so Will is going to have a field day with me when I... When he hears this. Um, <laughs> but. That being said. I do think there is a place. For. I, I do think that there's a place for this. I do think that there's. Uh, um, I, do, I Obviously. You want a movie to make money. It is called show business. And this is something that I repeat ad nauseum to people. It's a business. Writing is a business. If you want to make it as a writer, you have to think what's going to make the most money. And unfortunately, the Marvel way of doing things makes money right now. But we're, we are seeing a spark of creativity. We're seeing that some of these original concepts are worthy of make they will make money if you if nurtured properly um and netflix and amazon and hulu and all these streaming services are giving a fighting chance to struggling writers and struggling concepts that would otherwise be ignored fleabag would never have been made on american television period there is no way in hell um, any network would have ever picked it up. Especially since um, Phoebe um, Waller had already said she had viewed this as a two-season show. The networks want shows that are going to last 100 episodes so they, can, so they can go into syndication. And they also want to own the shows. Um, and, you know, CBS, which, you know what, I'm going to put a pause on this because that is kind of leading into what I'm going to talk about in the next segment. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And in the last segment, I was talking all about how writing is a business. And this is something I truly believe. Um, and it's something that I tell um, the people in my writing groups uh, and, and the people I work with one-on-one all the time. It is something I truly believe. Writing is a business. Uh, and you never know what's really going to pop. So last year, I don't know if you all remember, um, I was writing for a site called HVY. For many reasons, I'm no longer writing for them. Um, mostly because I didn't get paid. Um, and here's here's the thing. One of my One of my stories was viewed 30,000 times. That number is actually a lot higher. Um, I think it was like 36,000. But that's not the point here. Uh, the, the story was viewed quite a bit. 
And you're supposed to get, we were promised X amount of money per, um, per every thousand view. I didn't, none of that money was attached. In fact, that if they had paid me as they were supposed to, I figured out that I would have actually made um, almost $300 off of that, um, off of that article alone, which isn't a great deal of money. Uh, as, and especially since it was a very long article, um, I think I figured out that it would have averaged out in just that month to be about uh, five cents per word, which in this day and age is actually a lot of money for for an article. But. Um, it, it didn't happen. But what that taught me uh, is that there was a market for this particular kind of story. It was a true crime article about a Florida man. Um, and as I was thinking about things recently with um, the coronavirus uh, keeping me in and not letting me do my usual social um, stuff, was 50,000 people read this story. And that wasn't including the... People who read the subsequent Florida Man articles I wrote. So I collected all of those and I put together a collection of true crime articles. And tomorrow my book, Florida Man, True Crime Stories from the Sunshine State, are, is being released. But it wouldn't have happened without that pop that told me, hey, there's something here. Um, and a lot of people are encouraging me because another one of my stories popped. Um, the Democrats, uh, the Democrats Sanders problem also popped. This popped for a very different reason now. Um, it popped because I was going against um, the popular opinion of medium and saying that Bernie Sanders should not be the Democrats nominee because he's not a Democrat. And of course, this goes against Mandy. Sorry, Mandy, we love you. Um, um, and some members of my own family are very big Bernie Sanders supporters. Even some of my closest friends are Sanders supporters. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. Um, so what does this have to do with, with writing being a business? Quite simply, it's this. I didn't take the stand because I think it was right. Um, I didn't take this stand because I thought I was going to make a lot of money. I did make a lot of money off this article because that's how mediums pay is set up. I took this stand because it's what I believed. Um, and it was wholly original. And that's what we're seeing in Hollywood right now. We're seeing wholly original ideas and concepts popping. Um, Tiger King on Netflix. Um... Fleabag on Amazon, uh, Atlanta, on which J.J. Abrams pointed out in our last segment. These are shows that are hitting cultural milestones because they are wholly original. Uh, even even this podcast, Drunk Gossip, is hitting a different kind of market than what would uh, than what a normal gossip podcast are. Uh, Wendy Williams, the Wendy Williams book is going to hit a different market 
because I'm relying on my sources. I'm relying on people telling me <coughs> I'm going to be an episode without me coughing. Uh, and please don't. I know people um, have wrote in concerned. I am not sick. I do not have um, the coronavirus. Thank you for your concern, though. I really wholly appreciate it. Um, I'm also working on another book. Um, two other books right now. Both of them are, I, I call them absurd comedies. One has two of my most um, popular characters ever, Jeff and Zinxie, um fighting aliens. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a fight, um, not a fight. It's kind of a parody of sci-fi movies, um, with a whole lot of emotion baked into uh, baked into it. Um, and and you'll when the book is released, I'm hoping um, for a June or July release for that. You'll understand. Uh, the other book is completely absurd. Um, I had this idea um, from an article I read uh, where two movie stars are called to handle a situation for the President of the United States. And it's just, again, it's just absurd. It is, it's meant to be absurd. But I believe that these ideas are wholly original. And I, I truly believe that one, if not both of them, will pop um, in terms of m- making money. And I know people are saying, well, you, there has to be more to writing or the arts than just, than just the financial aspect. I completely agree. But if I'm not making money, I can't pay the bills. I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my phone bill. So, yes, there is there's artistic merit. But there's also there also has to be an economic component to everything we do. And that's why I'm not wholly against what Marvel does. It's why I'm not completely aghast um at everything that Disney does because I understand they want to have enough money to keep taking these big swings even if those big swings fail to produce a profit you know when you're when you're nearing a trillion being a trillion dollar company you have a little bit more of a comfort level and I think that's what's really important here is you know, right now, I'm not 100% comfortable financially. So, you know, yeah, a lot of my stuff may seem derivative or it may seem like, oh, um, you know, this true crime, you're just riding a wave. I'm not riding a wave. I actually truly enjoy writing true crime. But I'm also not stupid in, in terms of I know true crime is a big hit right now. And Florida, man is right in my wheelhouse of being very sharp and very dark humor. And that's going to do it for me today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Will is up next. Hello, listeners of Drunk Gossip, and welcome back to Politalk. For the third week running, this week's Politalk is being recorded from the suburbs of New York City. And I'd like to offer a special thanks to Mayor Bill de Blasio, who in this trying time has managed to unite 
the entire city in disdain for his incompetence. Bill de Blasio is largely famous for, has gained himself a lot of infamy recently for going to the gym instead of giving out press conferences or reliable guidance. And as such, most residents of the city and surrounding regions have turned to Governor Cuomo, whose daily press briefings on the coronavirus' spread in New York and the measures we should take to prevent its further spread, more or less, have become regular viewing and have revitalized his, at times, flagging political career. Before this, he was regarded as a somewhat heavy-handed bureaucrat. Now he's being talked around, tossed around as a vice presidential or even presidential candidate. However, this week's news is not all about Governor Cuomo. I'm sure you've all heard his broadcasts by now if you're living in New York, and if not, you've certainly heard about his feud with President Donald Trump. This week continued the rollout of the government's coronavirus measures. The, the legislature actually managed to get some work done this week, which is some very good news. The Senate passed a $2 trillion relief bill on Friday after a significant round of negotiations between Republicans and Democrats. Well, realistically, Democrats and Stephen Mnuchin, and even more realistically, Stephen Mnuchin and Nancy Pelosi. These two are largely the main architects of the bill. Nancy and as the I'm loath to give the Republican senators much credit for it as they've mostly postured and claimed that Democrats are trying to hold up support while sticking on a bunch of riders, making sure that poor people get less than your average corporation. But that's neither here nor there, and that's the behavior we would expect from the government at this point. We're talking about big scandals and stories, and I have some really fun ones for you. First up, obviously, we have Donald Trump's feud with the state governors who he has increasingly tapped, and I use that in the loosest possible definition of the term, to head lead up the coronavirus response. Donald Trump has been extremely critical of the governors of various states, mostly Democratic states, saying that they have not taken all the measures necessary to halt, to fight the coronavirus and that they shouldn't be blaming his government for not providing any more ventilators, masks, equipment that are desperately needed. He's directed most of his ire at the aforementioned Andrew Cuomo, who has criticized the federal government for being slow on the response. Donald Trump has said that states should states and governors should be a lot more gracious when dealing with him if they want any help. That's not an exact quote, but it's very much the spirit of what he said. And this attitude has gotten him in feuds with not only Cuomo, but also the governors of a number of states, including Wisconsin, and most recently, Massachusetts, where Republican Governor Charlie Baker said that it was completely unrealistic to open the country by Easter. No word on what Trump is going to do in response there's not really much he can do. Massachusetts, despite the fact that it has a Republican governor, is a very reliably blue state. Donald Trump's base is not exactly in Charlie Baker's constituency, so he doesn't really care as much about what the guy has to say, and that has been reflected in his actions and policies. The speed of the... I will give the Senate credit for finally getting around to a speedy response, possibly prompted in part 
by the coronavirus finally making itself known in the Senate. Rand Paul, the senator from Kentucky, tested positive for coronavirus earlier this week and caused quite a bit of stir because after testing, but before he knew whether he was infected or not, Rand Paul went swimming in the Senate pool and kept eating from the communal Senate candy drawer, or at least the Republican senator's candy drawer. He, do this, he did this after he knew he had been exposed, but before he knew he had contracted the virus. Rand Paul is famous for being an extremely libertarian senator and is one of the few individuals who voted against the 9-11, against relief for the 9-11 first responders. So, well, it's kind of amazing that he's got the guts to call 911 in this case, if you ask me personally. But anyway, that is most of the big events that have happened this week in the political news. Apologies if I'm starting to sound a little stir-crazy here. The truth is I'm starting to go a little stir-crazy. I'm pretty tired of all this, and I'm sure you are as well, but I will keep everyone updated on... But it looks like starting in the next couple of months, the um, most American citizens are going to be receiving relief checks from the government. Please check the... Please keep your eyes tuned to the news and check the official government's webs- the government's website for the relief for details on whether or not you qualify. Thank you very much. Everybody keep everybody do your best during these trying times. That's all for tonight. Cheers.